is if you can find connection with a total stranger that has nothing in common with you, simply with a willingness to show up and just be honest and present and that person. And so in an environment that's conducive to showing up and being honest that you can create a connection, which is the opposite of loneliness, right? Like creating that true connection is the opposite of loneliness, that it's so simple and accessible to everyone that there's no reason that anyone should feel alone because it's right there for the taking if people will engage in that way. And so, I mean, that is really the core of my mission. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing is to create spaces for people who need that connection to realize like, yes, it's available to me. This is available to me in group and then again in life. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and it just occurred to me that I forgot to tell you that last week was going to be our break week for the month of January. So if you're brand new to the podcast, I shared that in 2021, at least for the first half, I'm going to share three episodes a month as opposed to four. And I forgot to tell you that last week was that week without an episode. So I missed you. I hope you missed the podcast. And I'm just so excited to share with you today's new episode with Vanessa Cornell. She's the founder of Nushu. And Nushu is a wellness collective and global community committed to fostering true connection, personal growth, and empowerment. And through Nushu, Vanessa curates potent thought leaders, offers community programming, and has trained dozens of facilitators to hold powerful space for others in Nushu Group, a radically different modality where You can show up exactly as who you are, where you will be welcomed and accepted, and really where no one will try to fix you. And you can just feel safe in the environment that she's created. And I was so looking forward to sitting down with Vanessa for this conversation because I feel like Oh, it's not even feel. I just know that in the last two years, loneliness has been a pandemic in and of itself as we've navigated this COVID-19 pandemic. And so I was really looking forward to sitting down with Vanessa to talk about the healing power of community and how we can really begin to know ourselves and get, get in touch with ourselves in a much more deeper way through community, through conversation, and the importance of holding space for others and also ourselves. And by the way, the the term holding space is one that we hear often in wellness and spiritual spaces, but what does it actually mean? Vanessa breaks down for us so beautifully in this conversation what it actually means to hold space. We also dive into the different types of community and how it impacts our ability to be vulnerable and honest. We talk about the co-healing that takes place in Nushu Group, how each participant sits in the seat of the healer and the healed. We also talk about building trust in community, which is such a huge part of this entire experience of sitting in group. And Vanessa also shares with us her biggest dream, her mission for Nushu, and so much more. Now more than ever, I just think it's so important that we have reliable resources that we can turn to. And that's where today's sponsor, BetterHelp, comes in. So I would love to share with you a little bit more about BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And it's easy and free to change counselors if you don't think the person you've matched with is a good fit. 
And no matter where you're listening to Seek the Joy podcast right now, you can also use BetterHelp because the service is available for people worldwide too. I just think it's so valuable to talk to someone about what it is that you're going through, whether that's anxiety, depression, grief, loss, changes at work, or friendship dynamics or relationships, or you want to talk about the challenges of the last couple of years. And BetterHelp offers a broad range of expertise in their counselor network. So you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions too, which I still think is a game changer. I really want you to live a happier, more joyful, and just ease-filled life. That's why I share these conversations with you. And so I'm just excited to share that as a listener of Seek the Joy podcast, you will get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash seekthejoy. Join over 1 million people and counting taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash seek the joy. The link will also be included in our show notes. This is such a wonderful episode and I feel like it's so timely as we kick off 2022. So as always, I can't wait to hear what you think about this one. Make sure to join the conversation on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. Whether you're tuning in right now on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and review. Hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Vanessa Cornell, the founder of Nushu, all about the power of community to bring about healing. You know, it's so interesting as we enter a new year, community comes to mind, um, how we can gather, how we can celebrate, how we can remember, I think, where we've been and where we're going. And so I'm so happy that we're coming together to have this conversation, I think, to kick off uh, 2022, because this will air in January. So thank you for coming on the podcast. And uh, this is going to be a great conversation. Well, thank you, Cindy. I'm so honored to be here. And and I can't wait. And um, I so appreciate that you want to talk about these things, because I think they're really important right now for a lot of people. A lot of people are really reevaluating these things in their lives, Mm -hmm. things that they hadn't focused on before now are really coming into sort of the center of their consciousness, because um, yeah, the, the pandemic has brought up so much of this for so many people. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a good point. We're thinking about community. We're thinking about coming together in, in such different ways and we're evaluating where we are. So I'm curious, how did you create Nushu? Where did this idea come from? Because I'm sure it was inspired, right? By an event in your life as all of things course. we create. So where did of this start course. for you? Because I think where you are now is always, you know, so telling of, of where you started. Yeah, I mean, as as so many of these things are, it's totally tied into my personal journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a mom of five kids, and I had those kids really quickly. I had them in six and a half years. Oh my um, god! And I was yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. So wow. if there's anything to like shake up your life, it's having five kids in, in six, six years. Yep. Yeah, and and you know when I came out of having the kids, I really had a moment of break where. Um, everything that I had um, lived before, everywhere I had been before sort of broke apart. And it, you know, frankly, gave, you know, people think of a midlife crisis, maybe it was a midlife crisis, maybe it was just a, a moment of realization, a dark night of the soul. But it really made me um, realize that I was completely disconnected mm. from myself, 
and that I, well, I didn't realize it in the moment. It took me a while to No, it takes out. time, right? Like it's a process. Mm-hmm. But I was desperately lonely. And I had a husband and five children and lots of friends. And I was involved in, I was involved in lots of communities. Mm. I had school communities I was involved in. I had lots of communities around me, lots of people around me. And I was like, how can I be so desperately lonely inside of so much community? Mm. And as I sort of started to pull myself out of this and really learn and reflect and reconnect to myself, what happened is that I really started to understand the difference between true connection and community true community that's supportive and connective and the way that sometimes community is defined, which is being in a group of people with a similar interest, being surrounded by a lot of people, being very busy in the context of a lot of people being social. And so that, that sort of meaning of community where it gravitated so much towards true connection became very, very clear to me that that is what people are craving. That is what people really need in in the last two years, more Mm -hmm. than ever, because our um, sort of superficial communities have evaporated for us. We can no longer pretend that we have all these people around us and we're doing all these things and we're busy and we're out in the world and that's just fine because that's disappeared for us. And Mm -hmm. what's left, and I think for people who have that real true connection, who either found it during this time or had it before, they're doing much better right mm-hmm. now than mm-hmm. people who don't. Um, and so through my personal journey, as these things go, uh, I really started to dig down on how do we create that true connection, that deep connection that really nourishes up, really nourishes us, that true community. Um, and so all of my work today is really a result of really analyzing that, figuring that out. And how do we create the conditions for that so that people who don't have access to that can receive it? Mm. So much of what you just shared stood out to me, but I want to start with this piece about you were desperately lonely, even when you were surrounded by other people, even when you were surrounded by community. And I'm curious, you know, you keep touching on true connection, true connection. I think that's such an interesting and important key component of community. But were there other aspects of those communities that were missing for you that maybe added to that sense of loneliness? So like for me, when I'm reflecting on what you just shared, I'm thinking about, yeah, there have been so many times where I'm surrounded by friends or family or at school when I was in school or in the workplace where I still feel lonely. And what's missing for me in those spaces, I think, is feeling seen, validated, a sense of acceptance, but starting with accepting myself and then seeing that reflected for me. Were there other elements or things that were missing for you? Because I I know whoever is listening to this is probably going, oh my God, me too. And trying yeah. to source source those things out for themselves as well. Yeah. So, I mean, you hit on it, Sydney. It's that it's the myself piece, right? Mm-hmm. But, but let me let me sort of backtrack and, yeah. and talk a little bit about how, in the moment, I perceived the people around me and the communities around me. Mm. 
Mm. In the moment, and it was a very dark time for me, and it was a very tumultuous, confusing time. And so I never want people to think that I sort of had a moment of clarity and that I saw this. This If only it was that easy. (laughs) Like, like if you're listening and you're like, why can't I have that aha moment of clarity? Like, that is not how it went. Yeah. It was like messy and ugly and painful and difficult and confusing, and it took time. Um, But in that moment of real tumult, I was like, I'm in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. I don't belong. I live in New York. I don't belong in New York. I don't belong in this community. I don't want this. I don't want any of it anymore. And if you're listening, this may or may not be a feeling you have. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, no, no, no. These are my people, but there's something else going on. But for, I think for a lot of people, when they hit that place, they're like, yeah. this is the wrong marriage. This is the wrong job. This is the wrong place. I have to move. I got to blow up my whole exterior life because something about it is so wrong because I am so lonely or Mm -hmm. I'm so desperate. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first instinct was everything around me is wrong. I have to to change it all. It all has to change like this, like immediately. You got to blow it up. There's something, there's something really wrong Mm -hmm. and it must be my surroundings. It must be my circumstance. And what I came to learn was the number one thing that was missing was a connection to myself. Mm. So you cannot have a connection to another person if you're not connected to yourself. Because when you're connecting to somebody else, you are showing your true self to them. You know, people talk about vulnerability, about honesty, about you can't be seen Mm -hmm. if you won't let yourself be seen. You can't be seen if you don't show yourself And you can't show yourself if you don't know yourself. So I was in a place, and I think that this happens to many, many mothers, where I was so caught up in my identity as the super mom caregiver to my children that I decided I had no needs. I had no preferences. And this happens to so many moms. It's like chronic, right? Where we decide like, you know, here's the analogy I make. I would get to the end of the day and realize that I'd had to go to the bathroom since the morning. Oh no! I'm sorry to get a, like a little bit like maybe this. Is, <laughs> I think yeah, that's I too. Re- no, I think that's too real because you're so you're so focused on everyone else and you're not even taking care of your basic needs. You feel like you don't have time. It, it's an so afterthought. It's not even. It's not even like oh, I have a need and I'm ignoring it. Mm. You get so good at ignoring it, you don't even notice. You don't even know you have the need. You don't even know you have the need, right? Moms get so good at pushing their needs aside that it gets to a place where they're like, oh, I don't even have any. It's so much easier to not have any Mm. because if I have needs and they constantly get get put last, that evolves into I don't even have any to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so when you've been disconnected from what you need and what you want for so long, sometimes you're in a place where you're like, I don't even know what I want. Mm. I don't even know what I need. And so that process has to start. That process of first acknowledging and honoring that I have needs. Mm -hmm. They deserve attention. And when I discover what they are, I don't need to feel guilty about fulfilling them. Mm. Yeah. And so I I think that's sometimes where sort of the self-care breaks down Mm -hmm. because we think the most important thing is taking time, um, doing things for ourselves. And there's a lot of conversation about self-care and there's nothing wrong with that. Like self-care is great. We need that. 
But there's something deeper, more fundamental there, which is like, get to know yourself again, understand who you are, what you want, what you need in order to be able to then show up in the world as who you really are. And it's that person who can connect with people. It's that person who can find deep connection inside of circum inside of the circumstances you're in. Mm-hmm. It's that person who doesn't need to blow up their whole circumstances because it's the people around them that that are the problem. Now, caveat, sometimes when you get to know yourself, you realize that there is something in your life that's not good for you and yeah. you need to make a change. But you're making that decision from an empowered place of knowing who you are and what you want and not a desperate place of everything around me needs to change because something's mm-hmm. so wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really resonated with what you just shared because it is that process of getting to know yourself, of pulling back those layers, of developing a deeper connection to yourself that allows you to show up in the world as who you really are. And so I'm curious about the role of community in that process or in allowing yourself, I think, um, to get to know yourself because you shared you 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 were in that space of looking for new community, it sounded like, and finding community that was more aligned. And so, yeah, so what is how, what is the connection then between community and then allowing yourself to get to know yourself better? I'm curious too, how that connects to your journey, because ultimately you ended up creating Nushu from that personal experience. Yeah. So, so I'll tell you a little bit about sort of the modality that I, that I practice and that I teach, which is Nushu Group. Um, when I looked at this whole process, I said, how can we create intentional community? not sort of situational community, right? Like I find myself in this community because I work with these people. I find myself in this community because we share an interest. In in those sort of situational communities, what happens is you're there for a common reason and then you're sort of testing the waters with people, right? Have you ever come into a group and sort of said like, which of these people are my people? Mm-hmm. Which of these mm-hmm. people feel a little trustworthy? Which of these people am I willing to take a risk with? And over time, maybe if you're lucky, you develop some of those relationships where you're like, yeah, I can actually tell this person that I'm having a bad day. Mm. Or I can tell this person something about myself. And it's a little bit of a dance because you tell them and you wait to see how they react and they maybe tell you. And then again, if you're lucky, you find somebody that you trust that becomes a friend where you feel comfortable and you can show yourself to them. So um, to me, that true community can live inside of situational communities. But what I set out to do was to create an intentional community that had those components by design and explicitly. Hmm. So Nushu Group is eight to 10 participants with a facilitator who get together on a regular basis and come together with an understanding, which is, this is a place where you're going to show up truthfully as yourself. This is a place where you get to share what's on your mind and no one's going to judge you and everyone's going to receive that with compassion. And this is a place where when you share what's on your mind, no one's going to try and fix you and no one's going to try and give you advice. Hmm. You just get to say your piece into the space. And what happens is there's this virtuous circle of when you have the conditions to feel like you can be honest and truthful and say it out loud, you, while you're connecting with other people, are also knowing yourself better and connecting with yourself. And so as that's happening and everybody shares in the group, 
And when these groups stay together for a long period of time, when trust develops, it becomes this incredibly bonding experience and also an incredibly powerful container for your own self-journey, for your own self-discovery. Because sometimes what it takes to realize something that we know on some level deep down, but maybe we don't really know in our conscious mind, is to reflect on it share your reflections on it and then just like give it a minute right we're going so fast all the time and every time we say something i don't know if this is your experience with other people they always have like something to say about it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like it's like an urge of ours to be like well oh yeah i had that experience too or yeah no i can relate to that right mm-hmm. and so a new shoe group There are guidelines set up and there is a structure set up where no one gets to react and you just get to say your piece. And in that little bit of extra time, it's incredible what insights download, Mm. what things that you can see that you just didn't see before. And so I've had in groups so many people say, huh, I never really realized that before, that that's what this was about. And so it's that connection to self. Yeah. Yeah that supports the connection to others and the connection to others in a space where rather than having to guess and say like, can I trust this person? There's a real express explicit intention and explicit expectation and the two feet off of each other really, really powerfully. So interesting what you brought up about how when someone shares an experience with you or they uh, connect with you or choose that element of vulnerability, our instinct is to say, oh yeah, me too. Or, oh yeah, that was also my experience. And I think because traditionally that's how we're taught to build rapport with people, right? That's how we build trust and understanding by saying, hey, I recognize you. Hey, I've got the same experience. And as you were sharing that, that that was my first thought. And then my next thought was, but wait, if we have the ability to let someone share their experience and allow for that sort of what typically feels like awkward space right in between before you answer, before you respond, uh, before you share your insights and feedback, I love what you said that there are new insights that are developed or recognized that we may not have the chance to, if we're relying on the other person to mirror back their experience, because something I've I've really been thinking quite a lot about is developing and building trust in these spaces of community. And we think traditionally it's by saying, Oh yeah, me too. I've got that experience, but it's really clear. And you're sharing this so beautifully through what you've created that When we hold this space, when we open up this space for someone to share what their experience is, um, good, bad, or indifferent, no label on it, that's really where the trust comes from because you recognize, oh, I can share this without judgment. Oh, I can share this in a space of um, solidarity or acceptance. That is very powerful. That is huge. It is. It is. And So I I run a facilitator training once a year, and it's actually coming up in February. And I work with people to teach them how to be facilitators, how to Mm. hold this space, how to create the structure of safety for people to share. And in the facilitator training, people go through the experience of both facilitating and participating in group. And I lay out the structure and consistently the most challenging people for challenging thing for people learning to facilitate is not giving feedback after someone's share. It's really hard for people. And 
consistently, the piece of feedback that I get after people experience group for the first time is it was so amazing to be able to share something Mm. and not have any feedback. So those two pieces of information, and I've sat in hundreds of, I mean, I've been with thousands of people. It is so consistent. It is so consistent. And so in the training, I basically say, I know it's uncomfortable. You're just going to do it enough times where you finally realize like this is actually a gift Mm. to people and then you'll feel more comfortable with it. And so it's that sort of unlearning that we do a lot of in facilitator training, unlearning that instinct to to share um, feedback or relate to somebody because it comes from such a good place. Mm -hmm. We want people to know we care. We want people to know we're listening, that we hear them, that we're present for them. And what we do in Nusha Group is that's one of the premises, right? If you've shown up in this group, we know you care. If you've shown up in this group, we know you're present and you're listening. So you don't have to affirm it. It's already, it's already out there. And so it really creates this, like, people have told me that they just, like, relax because they feel like, oh, I'm allowed to be in presence. I've already, people already know I care. And I don't have to think about proving it all the time. And so what it allows me to do is, you know, I don't know if you've had this experience or if your listeners have, when you're hearing a friend tell you something and all you're thinking about is how you're going to respond. And if you're thinking about how you're going to respond, you're not really present for them. You're not really able to hold what it is they have to say and what it is they have to experience. And so we've created a structure to sort of um, force the opposite of your instinct And once people engage in it and they see how it works, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, totally. This totally makes sense. But there is a little bit of an unlearning that happens. um, And that's um, pretty powerful because then people bring that into their lives. Yeah. So many people have told me after the training that it's impacted their relationships with their partner, with their children, with their parents, with their friends, because they realize what it is to really listen, to really be present to somebody, to really see someone, as you had mentioned, the thing that you felt was missing. Um, And so it's this sort of, I trust that I don't need to fix or do anything in this moment. I only have to be there for you because I actually trust you to be able to sort of see your insight for yourself. Hmm. Um, And that's a powerful gift, giving someone that trust. And it it sounds so much to me, it's really about reframing that discomfort, reframing that discomfort of how how am I going to respond? Because you're right, we we listen to respond. We don't always listen to understand. And we don't always listen to um, hold that space. And so I think it's so interesting. So much of conversation sometimes is performative in the sense that we are so worried about how are we going to respond? Are we going to understand what that person is saying so that we can respond adequately so that they feel seen and we don't feel foolish? And there are all these different factors. And when you remove that element of performativeness, I don't even know if that's a word. I don't even know if that makes sense, but we're going to go with it. When you remove it, it really becomes about just being in that space and allowing for this sort of free exchange of experiences. 
is what yeah. I'm really hearing from you. And so I think it's about reframing that as I love what you said. It's about seeing this opportunity, seeing this moment as a gift for other people, but then also for yourself to remove that element of, oh my God, this is kind of awkward. This is kind of uncomfortable. What am I going to say? What am what am I going to do? And what you described also is really this practice of holding space. So often, I think in wellness spaces, in spiritual spaces, we hear that phrase, holding space. I'm holding space for you. You're holding space for me. But too often, we don't even know what that actually means. It's just a term, right? That's sort of thrown out there. But you so beautifully, Vanessa, explained what it means to hold space um, for other people. Yeah. There's one more aspect of it that I think is important. So- we've talked about how we listen, Mm. how we listen to what someone has to say. But one of the other really, really important aspects of Nushu Group and why I created it the way that I did was the aspect of permission. Mm. So it's remarkable to me how when people engage in Nushu Group, they are like, I needed this so desperately. I needed this place so space so desperately. And it just doesn't exist in my life anywhere. Mm-hmm. And one of the parts that doesn't exist is permission. So I don't know about you, but when somebody asks you like, hey, Sydney, how are you? Right? I always say there's only one acceptable answer, which is fine. I'm fine. Thank you so I'm much fine. for asking. How are, how are you? you? I'm great. Okay. Everything is beautiful. <laughs> But like, is that the truth all the time? Maybe sometimes it is, but it's definitely not the truth all the time. So a place of permission where you can actually share what's going on with you without feeling like, oh God, like she's going to think I'm a weirdo or I'm dumping this on someone or I'm imposing on someone or it's not really the right time or I'm not close enough. I mean, whatever we decide doesn't give us permission to tell the truth about where we are and how we are. Again, this is explicitly the place of permission for that, where we sort of agree with each other, like, I will listen to your stuff, you listen to mine, and there's no feeling of guilt. And whatever comes out is cool, right? Whatever comes out is good. I mean, I have had people, you know, I'm a, I'm a 44-year-old mom of five kids, and I know a lot of people sort of in that age range. I mean, I have people... I've had people come to group and be like, I hate my children. I hate my husband. I want them all to go away. I mean, and we've all thought things like that. But in our mind, we're like, oh, no, that's not a thought I'm allowed to have. That's not a thought I'm certainly not allowed to express. Because under that thought is also the I love my children and I love my husband or whatever the case may be for you. But in that moment, it's really true for you. Hmm. But we're not allowed to say it because it makes us a bad person or it makes us ungrateful or whatever we decide is the reason we don't have permission to actually express and own what is actually true for us in the moment. Hmm. And when we have a space to do that and we can actually say it out loud, there is tremendous catalytic value in that. There's tremendous value in saying it out loud and being witnessed by others particularly when it's something that feels like unsavory, right? Mm -hmm. When it feels Mm -hmm. like that thing that you're not supposed to think. And we realize that we all have all those thoughts. We are not alone in those thoughts. And that realization normalizes them, allows us not to fight those thoughts, but to move through them 
and creates a much more honest reality of like, okay, what's the next thing I should be doing? What's the next step I should take? Um, and so there's so many things that maybe we don't even realize we disown about mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. That we're like, oh, no, I don't like that part of me. I'm going to stick that in the drawer. Mm -hmm. And this is a place where it's like, no, 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 let's own all the parts of ourselves. Let's bring them all out into the light. Because those things that you've just sown that you put in the drawer do not go away. They just puppeteer you from the drawer. They just Mm -hmm. manipulate you from the drawer. Hmm. They do not go away. It's actually in bringing them out into the light that we move through them, get information from them, process them. And so that's a really important aspect of this space. It's like, this Mm -hmm. is the space where you're allowed to say the thing that you're like, Ooh, I can't say that, Mm -hmm. you know, even though it's true, I can't say that out loud and you say it out loud. And there's some, there's some incredible things that happen when you say things out loud, um, that will never happen if, if that thing just stays circulating in your mind. Yeah. And I think those things that you push in the drawer, are often our biggest barriers to connection and our biggest barriers to allowing ourselves to dive deeper into who we are and to really see ourselves. Because if there's a sense of shame or embarrassment or anger or, um, yeah, shame, embarrassment, anger around certain experiences or emotions, and you're trying to tuck it away. Um, and then you show up to a group or a community and you feel like you can't express that, then you're not really showing up as your whole self. And it's so interesting what you shared about this element of permission. I feel like it's often reserved for therapy, like those types of spaces that where you go, you show up for 50 minutes, you have a conversation, you bear your soul, you share all the things that are bothering you. You come, you discuss coping mechanisms and there's so much beauty to therapy, but I feel like we often reserve those conversations, those, um, emotions that we tuck into the drawer for, for those spaces. And so how beautiful to be able to expand that. Yeah. And other think, groups. Yeah. yeah. Therapy is great. Yeah. Therapy's great. Big fan. Big fan. But, yeah. <laughs> but also, but also I think that there's a difference between therapy with one-on-one with a therapist mm. and being in a group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because with a therapist, they're sort of being paid to listen to you, which is fine. And there's a definitely a trust that can be developed. Um, but in a group, it's sort of like everyone is holding it for everyone else. And it's a different and very powerful dynamic. Mm-hmm. And there's no element of um, sort of teaching or advice in that space. And so a lot of people participate both in therapy and Nushi group at the same time. And they say, I love both and I get different things out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is, this is sort of, and I think a space that translates even more powerfully into your sort of real life, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, let's, let's talk about why we put those things in the drawer, right? Because we're worried. We're afraid that if we tell people about those things, they will like scatter, yeah. right? Like, yeah. oh, if, if you knew the, the real Sydney and this thought I had, and this thought I had, this thought I had, you'd be like, oh, I don't want to be friends with you or I don't want to, and, and, and we will lose all the people. And that's what we're desperately afraid of, right? That people will withdraw their love or that we'll be alone or people won't like us. And so we're like, it's too risky to put that out there. And what happens in Nushu group is we sort of take baby steps, right? And everyone goes at their own pace and there's zero pressure. And so people will put something out there and a group of people, eight people 
who they expect to sort of recoil show up with love instead. Hmm. And so corrective experience. Yeah. yeah, Almost like, it's almost like, Oh, whoa, look at that. Okay. Okay. I dipped my toe and let me try again. Let me try again. Let me see what happens if, and then you share something else. And that thing that you're afraid of sharing, because you're afraid people will withdraw their love. Instead you receive love. Hmm. And that happens over and over. And, And what we realize is that it's exactly the opposite of what we think will happen when we share who we are, the, the, the dark side or the yeah. bad part. I'm putting bad in quotations because I don't think these parts are bad, right? They're all parts of us. And so when we share these things with others, what actually it fosters is deeper connection and more love, mm-hmm. the opposite of what we expect. Now, I'm going to give a caveat here. Discernment is important, right? Like oversharing totally. to every single person you barely know is probably not the right route to go, right? You have to choose when and where and how and how much and to whom, and that's a skill to build. But when we do it in group, it sort of does create um, an opening for a trust of if with discernment, I share who I really am with people, it's not going to result in people walking away from me or withdrawing their love. In fact, it's going to be the opposite. It's going to deepen my connection to other people. And um, so it's almost like, you know, I say group is not for the sake of group. It's for the sake of life. It's mm-hmm. almost like that safe place where you get to test it out um, so that you can take some of that into your life and deepen your relationships with your friends and your family. Because often what happens in group is it's a group of strangers that come together, believe it or not. Yeah. Sort of crazy, but I've had a group of strangers come together in six weeks and feel incredibly close after six weeks and have incredible trust. And so, yes, friendships do form out of groups sometimes, but not necessarily. But what it does allow you to do is to go back to your people, your friends and your family, and sort of take what you've learned from group and try it out on your, you know, sort of real world relationships. Yeah. What a beautiful, I guess, container for lack of a better word to be able to learn and grow and express and uh, develop, I think, these skills to then implement it into every aspect of your life. And as you were talking, I just kept thinking about, it really just feels like possibilities for co-healing, if that makes sense. Like through you sharing, you're, you're getting this sense of healing, but the other person, the recipient who is listening is also receiving an element of healing. And I, and I think you spoke a little bit about this when you were talking about um, the facilitator training and, and in group in general, but is, how do I want to phrase this question? I guess what I want to ask is, is about this element of co-healing. You sit in one space as a listener, you sit in the other when you start to share. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's so interesting because within Nushu, you sit in both seats and yes. typically in therapy, if you're the therapist, you sit in one seat. And if you're the client, for lack of a better word, you're sitting in another. Um, and so it just feels like a different opportunity. Yeah. for healing in this way. Does that yeah. question make sense? I don't know if it, it does. It totally makes okay, sense. Okay, good. Um, co-healing is one of the things I talk about and yeah. the fact that you are both teacher and student. That's the phrase, teacher and, and student. Yes. Teacher and student, healer yes. and the healed at all times. So, you know, when I went through this journey, personal journey, 
I became ravenous, right? Mm-hmm. To like, I, I, I did all the things, all the self-help books, all the gurus, all the things. And, and over time, when I just looked at this whole landscape of sort of personal growth, self-help, wellness, one thing really stood out to me, which is that we still have a really big guru problem. Mm. We still have a lot of dynamic of people saying, I have the answer for you and people looking for somebody else to give them the answer. And I completely understand why, right? Because the alternative to someone else has the answer for you, someone else can tell you what to do is nobody has the answer for you except for you. And that is the truth, but it's a scary truth. It can be a a hard pill to swallow because that means you've got to do the inner work. You've got to do the digging. It is a lonely, difficult place to be. And I got to that place where I had a realization where I was like, oh my God, I am totally alone. There is no one else, right? My mentors, I went to for the answers and I give my mentors a lot of credit because whenever I went to them and I said, what is the answer? They said, I have nothing for you. Mm. I have nothing for you. And I kept trying and I kept, and, and then my mentor said to me, you got to stop. Yeah. You got to stop. There's nothing out there for you. Now, that's not to say that there aren't, there isn't lots to be learned. There's not lots of wisdom. But the truth for you doesn't come from anyone but yourself. Yeah. So it's a difficult place. And I know some people, when they come to that place, they feel very alone and it's a very scary place to be. And so our sort of, you know, tagline that we don't even really use as a tagline, because I'm not really, I'm not really good at marketing. No, it's like, <laughs> strange, like, I don't know, maybe in a different lifetime is know yourself in community. Beautiful. And yeah. so, yes, it's you. It's only you at the end of the day. But I wish that as I was going through this process, I had other people around me going through that process that I could do it with. So it's this very interesting dynamic of it's really comes down to only you and only you can know the truth. But in that journey of discovering yourself in the truth, it's much more powerful to do it with other people. It's much more powerful to do it in a supportive community. And so part of the reason that I came to new shoot group as a modality is because I wanted to create a place where people could understand that they have so much of the wisdom and the answers already. They just need the time and the space to see it for themselves, to discover it for themselves. And that the other alternative, which is somebody telling them the answer, it's not going to get them there. And so there's, there's still really a lot of hierarchy in healing. Um, There's, there's hierarchy in a very, extremely dysfunctional way as we've seen in some of these yoga communities and right like criminal but then there's also hierarchy with good meaning people in more subtle ways yeah you made you set the example of the therapist and the client um again I'm a big fan of therapy no shade on therapy um but there's that empowerment aspect where I've, I've actually heard a lot of people say to me my my therapist thinks I should My therapist thinks I should do this and this and this. And what I can hear underneath, what I can read below the lines is, but I'm not convinced, right? Right. We're not going to be able to make change 
based on somebody else telling us what we should do. We can only make change when someone helps us to see what we already know. And if somebody as a guide, as a therapist, as a leader, as a teacher can create that mirror for us to see what we already know. And then we say, instead of my therapist thinks I should, my therapist helped me see that I know I should. Yeah. And so that is really what that sort of student teacher healing healed flat hierarchy. Nobody's teaching or giving advice. That's that experience in Mushu group that creates a sense of self empowerment that creates a sense of, I actually can find the answers that are true for me that are true for myself. Um, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll caveat this again, right? There's tremendous value to going to somebody for help. Right. I'm not saying like, go do it on your own. You don't need anyone else to help you because there's lots of processes where like we don't know how to get through the next phase. And whether it's um, trauma work or somatic work or a therapist, there's tremendous value in teachers and guides. But at the end of the day, we have to remember and it's those teachers and guides responsibility to remember that we still hold the power. They don't. Um, And if a teacher or a guide, people will say like, how do I know if this person's a guru, right? It's like, it's really easy. If you said to this person, you know, thank you for what you've done for me. I'm ready to move on. If you feel like they'll be upset, it's a problem. If that person tells you like, no, you're wrong. I know the answers. There's only one way. That's a problem. There's Mm -hmm. like all these red flag warning signs. So even with teachers and guides, it's that element of empowerment where they like continually push the power back to you, Mm. continually remind you that like, no, you are the one who can know what's right for you. You are the one that can know your truth. I'll help you navigate it. But at the end of the day, like you're the one in charge of you. Um, And so this, that's why this modality really appealed to me because there aren't a lot of places where there isn't that sort of built-in innate hierarchy. And I, after sort of being in this world of wellness, was like, that's what we need. That's what we need. We need a place where people understand how much they already know, how powerful they already are, how much power they have, uh, not only to receive teachings, but to give teachings to others and, and have that interplay between people. I really, really, really resonate and appreciate what you just shared because I think when we are in a deep state or sense of loneliness, pain, discomfort, uh, we, and I, and I say we, because this has also been my experience. So maybe I'll just speak from my experience. I have looked to others for the answer. What can I do? What should I do? Where should I go next? What should the next thing I do? How do I heal myself? All those questions. And it's because there's such self-doubt that I'm able to heal myself. There's such self-doubt that I'll be able to um, emerge from that sense of difficulty or pain or discomfort. And so I totally understand why we as a society, as a culture, as a world at times have attached ourselves to a teacher, to a guru, to um, someone who claims to sort of have... um, all the answers. And I'm thinking currently very specifically about um, my own experiences in the Kundalini yoga world, working with mediums, all these different things that I've tried in the last decade or so of my life. And it really wasn't until I 
ultimately sat with myself and gave myself that sense of permission that you spoke about so beautifully that I realized, honestly, no one's going to have the answer but me. And yeah, I'm going to have days where I'm uncomfortable or I'm lonely or I'm sad, but hey, that's okay. Because this human experience is not meant to be sunshine and rainbows and joy all the time. And that's why this podcast is about seeking joy and recognizing you can hold both experiences, meaning both the heavier emotions that we classify as difficult in this world, along with the beautiful and easy ones that feel so lighthearted and wonderful. We can hold, you know, both experiences at the same time. And something else that you said that I think is so worth mentioning is about this hierarchy of healing. Mm -hmm. And I also think about that means recognizing that your experience is not worse than someone else. If you choose to share and someone else shares a difficult experience, that doesn't mean that your experience is less than, so you shouldn't have shared. I think it's all relative. And I think we start to realize the more that we have conversations like this one, and the more that we open up in spaces that feel uh, nourishing and that we can trust with others, I think we begin to recognize more and more that we're all going through something. Like there is nobody on this planet that is not going through something, experiencing some level of difficulty, emotions that they would rather not experience, thoughts that they would rather put in a drawer. Um, and I think when we get to that recognition, like recognition of the other and, and someone else's experience, it also lends to that element of permission. Like, oh, okay, they feel that way. That's okay. I feel that way too. You know, um, I think there's so much beauty in that. And if we can begin to recognize that through healing through modalities that bring about it through group and community. It's also going to touch on what we talked about at the very beginning of this conversation about the pandemic and mm -hmm. loneliness, because we're recognizing more and more, the more we tend to spend time in solitude and we've stripped so much away, loneliness is really prevalent. So if we can start to get real and honest and recognize like everybody's going through something huge, 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 huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, if I could just add one, please. One yes. Um, you know, I, I've, I've had so many different types of groups and, and there's one experience that really stands out to me, which is a group happened to come together in a way that was incredibly diverse, hmm. right? We had men, we had women, we had all races, we had, um, sexual orientations. We had age, we had a 20 year old and a 70 year old. We had somebody who was in Turkey and we had different you know, people where English wasn't the first language, like it just the way that this group came together, these people could not have had less in common with each other. Mm. And, um, you know, over time, I have learned that the group structure, it just works, right? It just works. And so I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, worried about it. It came together so incredibly. It's so incredibly beautifully. And at the end, when we were sharing what we received from the group, one of the participants said, you know, to hear the stories and the perspectives of so many different people with a different life experience and realizing that at the core, it's all very similar. That hmm. at the core, what we're struggling with is all very similar, right? We're all looking for purpose and we all want to be loved and we all want to be seen and we all want to feel safe, right? The, at the core, we're all in our humanness. So connected. Yeah. Um, the person said, I am leaving this group, looking at every single person I ever meet for the rest of my life differently, because I can see that common humanity and that person that I realized, you know, sitting in this group. 
And so it's that. And, and the second thing that was really, really powerful to me um, was that somebody shared that what they, they, what they realized after being in group is that there is no reason for any human being to be lonely. Because mm. if you can find connection with a total stranger that has nothing in common with you, simply with a willingness to show up and just be honest and present and that person. And so in an environment that's conducive to showing up and being honest, that you can create a connection, which is the opposite of loneliness, right? Like creating that true connection is the opposite of loneliness, that it's so simple and accessible to everyone that there's no reason that anyone should feel alone because it's right there for the taking if people will engage in that way. And so, I mean, that is really the core of my mission. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing is to create spaces for people who need that connection to realize like, yes, it's available to me. This is available to me in group. And then again, in life, in life. I, I could talk to you all day. Like this has been such a wonderful conversation. And I think such an important one to have, I think, like I mentioned at the beginning to kick off this new year, when we are still in this pandemic, a pandemic of loneliness at times, I love what you just shared. I think it's really powerful because it's so much of this is about recognizing our, our common humanity. So Vanessa, before we go, I'd love to ask you the question that I ask everybody that comes on seek the joy podcast. And, uh, a big one, but uh, it's, what is your biggest dream? And I love asking this question because the yeah. answers are always so powerful. Yeah. I mean, I think I just shared my dream for Nushu, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I sort of think about the modality of group as something that's always been around, right? Like I didn't invent anything, right? We've been sitting in circles with each other since the beginning of time, Yeah, but we've forgotten how to do that we've forgotten how to be in true community with each other. And so I think about things like yoga and meditation that have really come into the mainstream recently. Now they're also very old, right? It's not like, you know, however, however many years ago when yoga became popular in the United States, that it was invented. It was not, it was remembered and adjusted. And, um, and the same with meditation. I mean, meditation is thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. And so to me, group is the third leg of that stool. Hmm. It's the third thing that, if we can remember it, can create tremendous and powerful healing for lots of people. And so my dream is that someone sort of says, oh, you know, Sydney, do you practice yoga? And maybe you do and maybe you don't, but you know what it is and you can get it if you want it. Same with meditation. Oh, Sydney, do you have a meditation practice? Like, no, but I'm interested. And I have like 17 apps to choose from and like 35 teachers. And like, I can go online and get free meditations all over if you want it. That's my dream for group. Hmm. Like, oh, Sydney, do you have a group? No. Oh, you know, I heard about a group, you know, starting here. Um, And it's, it's sort of an innately accessible modality too, right? You just need to like be with a group of people in a room. Like it doesn't need to cost a lot of money. It can be for anyone. And so that's my dream. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for new shoe group and for group, whether it's through new shoe or whether it's other people doing it. And, you know, um, is that people have the space and it's just there for them and available and people know about it and can access it and it can help them. Mm, beautiful. 
Beautiful. It's going to happen. We'll just put it out there. It's going to happen. Vanessa, where can everyone find you? Connect, uh, dive into Nushu, uh, the facilitator training that you've got going on in February and and, and learn more. Yeah. So the best place is our website, nushu.com, N-U-S-H-U.com or Instagram at N-U-S-H-U, Nushu. Um, I also share a lot on my Instagram at Vanessa Cornell. And everything's linked in bio. All this programming is on the website. We have facilitator training coming up in February. We run NUSHU groups that are virtual um, on a regular basis. So if it's something you want to join, you can sign up. We're sort of almost sold out of our next series, but you can always ping us and say, hey, I'm interested. And we'll put you first on the list for when we open the next one. Um, And yeah, pretty much everything's on the website. Perfect. Everything's going to go in the show notes. We'll make it so easy for everyone to find you, connect and learn more. And just thank you again. This was a really wonderful, powerful conversation, I think, on the healing power of community and the the choice to be intentional with it. So thank you. Thank you so much, Sydney. I really enjoyed it. And I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Seek the Joy podcast is a production of Seek the Joy Media and created, produced, and hosted by me, Sydney Weiss. You can tune into all of our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're enjoying the show, hit follow and leave us a five-star rating and review. Make sure to join the community, join the conversation on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. And don't forget, you can actually watch today's new episode and all of our episodes on our brand new YouTube channel. Click that link in the show notes to subscribe and tune in. As always, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you right back here next week for another Seek the Joy Tuesday.